Welcome, everyone, to Group Chat. Only on Dash Radio, the 1234 World Station, every Wednesday night. 5 to 7 Pacific Time, 8 to 10 Eastern Time. This is Soft Glass. This is Kev. This is Jack. And I'm Juwan. And we'll be right back after a quick song break. That jingle is pretty, uh, it's, it's something else, right? It's pretty fun. <laughs> all like, credits to you. No, all credits to uh, my girlfriend and Joan for uh, laying down the, the original. You'll, you'll hear it eventually. You'll hear the original. Just stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, like, I'm extremely proud of it. I, I think it's going to launch my singing career. Coming on iTunes soon. Yeah. <laughs> it's maybe, only Maybe $5. SoundCloud first. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta make sure you take it. You gotta put it up and take it down three times, like Kanye. Though apparently that's yeah. the, the way to go. All right. Well, welcome back to the group chat. And on the show, we're gonna talk about everything from music to sports to movies. And for this first episode, we're gonna be talking about our favorites from 2015. But first, we're just gonna talk about kind of how the show started. So, you want to talk about it? Yeah. I mean, it was. Um it's really one of those things where everything kind of lined up perfectly. Uh, Juwan and I, uh, we, we've been thinking about doing something like this for a while. And you guys are brothers. We are brothers. Yes, we are. Um, and uh, we, we had this idea of just kind of doing a kind of like a cultural catch-up podcast show. Yeah. Um, and apparently, Jack was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, it was funny because... I mean, me and Kev have been talking for a while about some type of, like, radio show, and since, like, the spring or something... And we are not brothers. <laughs> <laughs> not blood brothers. Uh, not blood brothers. But brothers and, for sure. And anyway, since the, since the spring, we've been watching this show called The Shane Show on Golf Media, which is Tyler's app. And they're also on Dash Radio, the same place we're broadcasting now. Plug. Really on the plug, really on the plug. So then, I mean, it was something we had thought about and we were like, oh, like when certain things were like would happen, we'd be like, oh, this would be cool to talk about if we had our own show. But then it wasn't like a big priority, I guess, because we have other things we're working on, too. And there just wasn't like, I don't know. It just wasn't at the top of our list, but then when the one two three four radio show turned now into one two three four world the station, Daniel messaged me and he was like, "Oh, like I found this mix you played a while ago. We could play that on the station if you want." And I was like, "Oh, 
could it be like any talking thing too? And he had said like, oh, you could do like a Cinemiso segment if you want, which is like a site I run about like movies and stuff. Plug. Really on the plug. Really on the plug. <laughs> <Sorry, laughs> <laughs> <that. laughs> <laughs> um, so, but then I was thinking about like a bigger idea possibly, and I talked to Kev about it, and then Daniel sent a group message to one, two, three, four members in New York, and Soft Last was in that chat too, and it kind of like a light bulb went off. I was like, hmm, wonder if he'd be interested in doing this, and we'd met up earlier in the year and like been following each other on Twitter for a while, um, and then. Like, I think I messaged him, like, pretty soon after. I was like, yo, let's meet up this weekend. And then within a minute of meeting up, he brought it up first. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Not even a minute. It was like, hey, the trains were really backed up. So anyway, I have this this idea. Yeah, he was like, yo, did you see Daniel's text? I was like, yeah. Uh, Do you want to do, like, a talk show? He's like, yep. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty simple. (laughs) For the first episode, we're discussing stuff from 2015, but as it goes on, this is going to be a weekly show and we're going to be discussing events as they come up. Not current events like Donald Trump, blah, 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 but like... (laughs) Yeah, let's lay out our political views. (laughs) No Donald Trump talks. So just, just, you know, fun stuff, art, (laughs) music, sports, so... I think the idea was like 2015 was such a good year. Like, let's just recap on it real quick. Um, Cause so much happened and so much happened at the end of the year, but this is just, let's bring some of the, let's shed some light on some of the coolest stuff that happened later last year. And, and it's uh, also a way for like, like I was saying, like me and Kev would like see something last year and be like, Oh, this would be so great to talk about. And yeah, now we yeah. can. So it, it's good. So this is the 2015 episode. Yeah. Of uh, best of 2015. Yeah. And we'll be right back after another song.
little preview of what's yeah, to come. But first, we're going to get into movies before anything else, so... Oh, I can't wait. Kev, you want to start <laughs> off? I'll take the lead on this. Um, I didn't see as many movies as I wanted to this year, but I did see a good amount. So, don't judge me, guys. Um, <laughs> I am constantly, <laughs> constantly judging all of you. <laughs> Step your game up. Let's go. Let's go. Kev, I, top five movies of the year. Number five. <laughs> I'm going to give it to Mad Max. At number five? At number five. Mad Max. Um, first was, time I've seen a Mad Max. It was, I know there's like an older one, but... It was kind of hard for me to get into. Like, I tried to watch it. And it just, I don't know, it didn't like, didn't click I, for me. Believe it or not, I kind of felt like that The when I f- first saw it in the movie theater. It was like too much for me because yeah. it's action the whole time. There's yeah. barely even lines, but... It's a loud movie. Yeah, That's crazy. I had the complete opposite. Like, I watched it um, at home. I actually didn't watch it in the theater. Mm. And, I, and I kept thinking, I really wish I saw this in a theater because it was like too little for me. Like, I was watching it. Well, it's the, the type of movie you would. Right. Like, that would be good in a theater. No, right. for sure. A yeah. theater was perfect. You know, the loudspeakers, the screen, and, I don't know, the color was insane. The that, like, orange. Well, that also, filter. one thing, like, that's positive about it for me was that it, like, it was part of an inspiration for the Death Camp video. Yes, it was. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, but, yeah, keep going. I gave that my number five. Um, number four, I went little superhero, Ant Man. Oh, okay. Paul Rudd. Four. I didn't um, see it. No. It was pretty fun. I I'm just like a big fan of what's happening with like these movies. That yeah, the Marvel there's a lot of universe. Yeah, there's like a lot of comedy. Yeah. Was it like? Because the trailer looks pretty stupid. Like, how was it? <laughs> it's like. <laughs> It's Ant Man, like yeah. It's a. It's, it's actually, not meant to be serious. Wait, did you guys see it? Uh, yeah, we saw it. Um, yeah, I saw it late. I saw it like months after it came out. But yeah, I saw it like after. First of all, it came out and nobody thought it was going to be good, right? And then it comes out and it's like this sleeper hit, and everybody says it's good. So I kind of got the reverse hype. I got like the, <laughs> the post the everyone after. saying it's good hype. And uh, now you go. I mean. I mean, I, I want to hear, Kev, what, what did you like about it? Like, why? I, I like that. Like, um, I like when these action movies have a lot of comedy. It's not serious yeah. at all. It's not badass or anything. He's yeah. like, half of the time he's joking with that Mexican yeah. actor, yeah. whatever his name is. But it was it was pretty good. And it was, like, fun. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a heist movie, actually. Um, and it was, uh, there was so much drama before that film came out. Edgar Wright was supposed to direct it. And he, uh... Like, I guess, you know, Marvel has, like, a lot of parameters because their movies have to follow this, like, this wavelength. Um, and he, like, the, the movie he wanted to create didn't follow uh, those guidelines, so they gave him the boot, like, halfway through production. Oh, wow. And so everyone thought the movie was going to suck. I don't suck. know that. Who ended up directing it? Do you know? Uh, uh, Peyton Reed? Peyton Reed, yeah. Yeah. What has he done? He's done comedy, I believe. Uh, television comedy. I'm not too sure. We're gonna have to fact check. He's that. done, I believe, Yes Man with um, Jim Carrey. Oh, that was, okay, that's a good movie. And Bring It On. From, I don't even throwbacks. Know. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, I could totally get the dance vibes throughout. 
and the breakup. I think that's with Jennifer Aniston. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, Ashley Kutcher, I think, is in it. Okay. Oh, Vince Vaughn and Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Yeah. That's such a yeah. Vince Vaughn movie title. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just thought it was a pretty fun movie. So what's uh, what's your number three? Number three is um, Beasts of No Nation. Oh, I haven't seen it. It's that. one of those. I think it's a Netflix original. Oh, Netflix yeah, it was. It was. Mm-hmm. Great movie. I just seen it like what's two what's weeks it about? Ago. I haven't seen it. It's um. It's basically, it takes place in somewhere in Africa. I don't think they specify the country, but it's like a, a war a war film, and it's it, uh, Idris Elba, Idris Elba, mm-hmm. oh, and great. he should be the next Bond. It's basically this yeah. kid. Um, he's too street. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like this kid that his family basically gets killed and like his mom has to run away from the country but he somehow makes it out and he joins like this militia army type group whose leader is Idris Elba and he basically becomes a badass he has to do a bunch of stuff become a man and even kill people at a point and it's kind of like the process of how or what a child goes through in these times i don't think it's like um a real life story i think it's fiction but it's great it almost feels like could have happened in real life um direction was great that kid is a great actor Um, cinematography amazing one of the best that's that's the number one thing i heard about my roommate watched it he's like and he knows I'm like a cinematography like fiend. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's my shit is cinematography. And he was like, "Dude, this Amazing. this film, man, this you cinematography. To, you guys have Bro. to watch it if you Damn. haven't. Yeah, it's great. Um, actually, found out after. Um, it's the same guy that shot True Detective. Oh, okay. I oh. believe that dude is awesome because if you haven't seen True Detective, it's just on point. But, yeah, I have to give that one my number three. You stay pretty interested throughout. It's kind of violent, but it's a pretty good movie. Number two. My number two. The Hateful Eight. Nice. Yeah. Give The Hateful Eight my number two. Cinematography. I think that that's what made it the number two. Yeah. It was shot on that 70 millimeter film. Oh, uh, no spoilers. I haven't seen no, it No, no spoilers. <laughs> don't, don't worry. But <laughs> we also... Me and Kev went and we saw it in the AMC Lowe's on 68th Street for like, for the first initial release, it was like the 70 millimeter roadshow. The roadshow. And show. it was really cool. Like they had programs up front. Damn, I should have brought one. Um, <laughs> I'll bring one next time. At, and they were free. Like you could take whatever programs. Yep. To start, there was like an overture. It was like, what, three minutes It was or like something. three, four minutes of music. And then, and it was like a really cool graphic that went with it, like these red mountains and this like silhouette of a guy riding a horse. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, pretty there awesome was, too, with like the little flicker of the film. Yeah, as the music dope. plays, it was perfect. Yeah, there was an intermission like about halfway through, which was like needed because it's a super long film. It's like yeah, three hours, three something. And of course, like you go outside the theater, 
And meanwhile, the theater was packed. Like this thing was. I think some insane. people had to like wait for the next show. Supposedly yeah, like, they like oversold really or something. Wow. Like it might have been even more packed than when I went to Star Wars. Like it was really wow. busy. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, but then of course during intermission, like the line for the bathroom is like all the way down the <laughs> hall. Like, but it was fine. Uh, and then, but the thing is, without like spoiling it, after the intermission intermission like before that it's kind of setting it up mm-hmm. but after it's like that's when like stuff really happens better than the first half yeah so like if you're watching it and you start off you think oh, i don't know about don't this. give up on it yeah don't <laughs> give up like see it all the way through and i don't know for me the 70 millimeter wasn't as like it was nice like mm-hmm. it didn't i don't know if it like made as much of a difference to me as it does to like Tarantino himself, but it was, it was good. Like it was still very well shot. You do you think it like it added to the film though? I don't know. Like I'd have to see it like a more of a side by side comparison with the regular version, right? Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. But there was something interesting about that it was packaged that way, and that I think it drew a lot more people to that aspect of it. Because like even before. They did like a feature that they put out on YouTube, like about the whole process, which was really interesting and stuff. But in the end result, I'm not sure. Yeah, it felt like much. almost more than a movie how they packaged it. Yeah, like, it was something more special. And it was, it was an experience. Right. I know Tarantino has like these two eras. There's like the you know Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Jackie Q era, and then the Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, this is like Django. a whole new turn for him. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Does yeah. it fit into the new Tarantino? Oh, yeah, totally. It's- I actually think... You see, you see, like... To me, it was a lot like Reservoir Dogs. Oh, that's like, interesting. It's not a spoiler, but, like, a lot of the movie takes place in this one room. Yeah. In yeah. this one area. And in that, like, it reminded me a lot of Reservoir Dogs. But thematically, with, like, you know, taking groups of people that have been in certain points of history and then kind of changing the narrative it fits into that theme right so i think in that vein it's similar so real quick uh i asked this question on twitter at soft glass i asked this question on twitter uh uh last night or a couple nights ago uh asking people what their favorite tarantino movie is um and it seems pretty split like there's like a bunch of people who are like oh pulp fiction and then there's a bunch of people that are like, oh, uh, uh, Bastards, Glorious Bastards. That's my favorite. It's my favorite, too. So, I'm a, I'm a Django guy. You like Django? Yeah. I love Django. I think, for me, Bastards is like, it it's edges perfect. it. It, it is perfect. And it's like, like, the action is so good, even though it starts off with this, like, 20-minute scene in a kitchen, which is like... The best scene yeah, I've ever seen incredible. in my life. It's so good. Like, Tarantino does small talk like nobody else. You know, he's yeah. he's a master at he it. He builds so much tension and like and that's, perfect timing. That's him at his best. Juwan, have you seen have you seen Bastards? Yeah, I uh, I haven't rewatched it since I saw it the first time, and I was very little. I was a junior when I saw that film, and then I watched Django in the theaters when it came out. And I was in college when. 
Django came out, so I think I, I understood it more than I did Inglorious Bastards when I saw that for the first time, but that's definitely one I need to rewatch. I, I know all of like the set pieces and stuff and I've I've uh I've watched these like uh like film studies on it and stuff. Um so I definitely have an appreciation for the film. I think my film going experience with Django was superior because I watched that with you guys like in college and I clearly remember that so I think that uh, that experience means more to me than when I saw Inglorious Bastards like a film that I wasn't supposed to like the age that I was when I saw that film like I was way too young for it and I was really like yeah. squeamish because of the blood spoiler <laughs> there's blood in the film in I mean it's Tarantino not a big film. spoiler because yeah. <laughs> and um, the hateful Eight is no different so I can't really I can't really stand on a certain kind of in the middle I, I i need to rewatch both of them now but yeah what's uh so that's your number two hey play it's my number two number one all right so i had a, a little bit of a hard time because i was gonna put hateful eight number one but i don't know by little hair i i went with inside out Ooh. for number one oh we're Which gonna have to talk an about this one animated film yeah um Overall, great flick. What I really liked about it was probably that it gave me some sort of nostalgia. I felt almost like a child rewatching Toy Story or something. Yeah, I can see that. And all the characters. I like that there's five different characters. They're all being played by people that I really like. Like Yeah. Amy Poehler and Bill Hader, I think. Bill Hader, Jack Black, and Phyllis from The Office, and Mandy and stuff, and it was just great throughout. It was fun, funny. You know, it always gets to you, like all the Disney, Pixar movies, heart touching and stuff. And I don't know. I, I just think I enjoyed it the most out of any movie this year. That's that's really interesting, like. I know Jack feels a certain way about animation. All right, so... Tell me about it. <laughs> to me, I don't know why, but my brain separates animation from regular movies. It just, like, feels like a different world for me. So, like, when I think of my favorite movies of the year, even though I liked Inside Out a lot, it doesn't, like, come up in my brain as, like, a movie. That's just how it is. I can see where you're coming from. I think there are some movies that I can think of that, even though they're animation, like I love, I genuinely love, and I can put in my like top fifty movies of all time. Like, I mean, just to even compare Inside Out, The Incredibles to me is yes. like one of my favorite yes. like movies. Period. <laughs> like, I love that movie, and with Inside Out, I felt like. I felt like they, I, I liked it. I, I wanted it. Like there were moments that were extremely clever and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like I love how they portrayed, you know, dreams, how dreams work mm -hmm. and like how, you know. It's very psychological. Like, yeah. I think I, that's one of the things I liked about it. A lot of the times after watching it since like I've, something will come up in my life and I'm like, oh, I'll think about like Inside Out and like how there's, you know, they have these <laughs> emotions in their brain or like yeah. how like certain memories were kept and all that. So it's like, yeah. I think it sticks with you for a lot of reasons and because it's so personal and yeah. so 
connected to your brain and your emotions. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's where I stand with the movie. It's like concept, ten out of ten. Uh, actual execution for me, for whatever reason, I just I thought like, what did you want? Like, I, what what do you think was missing, missing or not? Right? It, yeah. I it's not even that it was missing. It was just I felt like, for example, the animation for me was just kind of like not as good as it could have been. It wasn't. It looked like another Pixar movie. I can give you that. You know, and and also, like the sadness character was so obnoxious to me. <laughs> like she was so annoying to me, that, and it took me out of it. It's like why, why are you doing that? Like why are you touching things? Like they just said not to touch it. What? And Which then was she, kind of the point, but yeah, I get what you're saying. But but then she's like, oh, I can't control it, and I was like, wait, what's the logic? I don't get it. Like, <laughs> do emotions not control? Yeah, you're the, sad. Like, you're not like dumb <laughs> yeah like i yeah i and i know it's so nitpicky it really is so nitpicky but i guess that's where i like i want to hold it to the same standard i hold other movies like it being in an animated film like i want to be able to hold it up against my other favorite movies of the year and there were so many times where i was just like okay I know that where this is going, like this is predictable. I know, like honestly, something happens, right? Mm -hmm. Something happens, and um, at the end, something happens towards the end, and it it's trying to have an emotional effect, and it and it worked. Like I'll just say that. Like there are there are moments where I'm just like, okay, they're clearly trying to make me feel a certain way, and it worked. And it's getting to me. Yeah, like (laughs) I'm choking up a little bit. But then there are other times where they are trying to get an emotional feeling out of me and it didn't work because it it was just kind of like predictable. Like I knew they were going there. Like also side note, are you guys like, like not trying to like set like some type of manly hood thing? Like, but do you guys like cry during movies much? Oh yeah. Big time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I cry so often. Like I, 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 I'm going to get like. Yo, soft glasses, a bitch. But I, honestly, <laughs> like, I, I, I really cry. Like movies, I don't ever cry for anything. For whatever reason, movies always get to me. Do you think it's like the combination of like the music and visuals and story? Oh yeah, like, like just it's yeah. overwhelming of the senses type thing. Like Interstellar had me like bawling at one point, and it was just because. I think it's like an appreciation of when everything, like to be able to make somebody feel something uh, through like sights and sounds, I think is such a hard thing to do to make somebody like emotionally connect to something that to, to a character you just met like an hour ago, you know, that's so hard to do. And I think it's a mixture of like me just buying in, like me wanting to buy in, me wanting to like get invested and that's why that's why it kind of pisses me off when i don't get invested because i'm really trying Mm. you know i'm i'm actively trying to get invested to whatever movie and when a movie just like botches it and is like and it doesn't do it for me i'm just like oh come on like i i'm trying to give it a shot here like i'm it's not like i'm sitting here with my arms crossed like all right let's see what this movie (laughs) like i'm really trying to get into it so yeah i think that's maybe that's why Inside Out was a good movie, not like great, not even great. I don't, I'm not even saying it's not great. I think it is great for what it's doing. I think just not like perfect. For, yeah, for me personally, I think Pixar has done better. I watched that movie like I was reviewing movies on like my Medium page, and I watched that movie at like. Whoa.
really on the plug, really on the plug. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> I, I watched that movie at like 10 a.m. with like a ton of little kids, and I, I went like by myself. And like that was actually ideal for me, not the little kids part. This is so creepy. This <laughs> suddenly took a turn for the worst. At least you caught it. I've said my name too much. Uh, it's uh, no, I love watching, uh, especially animated films, early in the morning. I don't know why, but like going to the theater while it's still early, and like leaving while it's still early, like that's perfect. I love it. Um, but I was really bored all the way through, and I thought the movie lacked. Um, the movie had a lot of heart. It didn't have any character to drive that heart. And character in the sense of like animation films, The Good Dinosaur just came out. That was a Pixar film that came out in December. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it, it's getting all right reviews. But the art style of that movie is very distinct from any other Pixar movie. Um, Finding Nemo has a very distinct palette as well. I thought Inside Out was, the art style wasn't really captivating, especially when they were like in a maze the whole time. And that took me out of the experience, I think, I kind of like that. Yeah? I, I thought that like the best parts were the back and forth between like when people would talk and then you see the emotions in real time. Like, that was funny. Mm -hmm. I thought that's what the movie was going to be and I was really excited every time they would like hint at that and they had a whole like, uh, like the end credit scene was like all that, right? Yeah, that was yeah, hilarious. I was going to mention that. Yeah, yeah and, um, and that, those were my favorite parts so I think I'm with Drow in terms of like the idea was amazing and the execution was like... It was all right. I mean, which is, um, which isn't usual for Pixar because it's they usually. usually I, I think I was I was into the whole maze and going yeah. into the brain thing and having like those. I think it was four different like you know centers or stabilities like family, friends, whatever. Yeah. Um, it worked for me. I get. I guess I get what you're, you guys are saying. Visually, it wasn't as different. But I didn't personally. I didn't mind it. Yeah. But yeah, I I think I forgot to mention it. But like conceptually, it's probably the top reason I liked it. Yeah, it's great. Um, second is like the characters. I said I really like all the characters. The Amy Poehler was so good. Yeah, and the the score was really cool too. A couple of times, like they'd have these like like random like jazz riffs in there, and like it'd be awesome. Oh yeah. And it, like, and I thought there wasn't enough of that. And I think maybe the score would have added to the character. Of, mm. of the movie but I thought I had a lot of fun with it I thought it was a good Pixar movie it wasn't on my top 5 let's go to somebody else's top 5 should, should we take one? a song break first oh yeah for sure alright cool we'll be right back after this
back on group chat. <laughs> so seamless. Uh, top five films of 2015. Um, my number five resembles Kev's number five, and that's actually Mad Max. Yeah. That's right. Real recognize real. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I know this was just such a good, uh, such a good theater experience for me. I saw it like with one of my best buddies, and uh, and that's just one of those films where like the first 10 minutes I was scared that like I wouldn't get it because it moves so quickly and it's so stylized and uh, and I'd gone into it with the impression that like the movie was amazing because it was after all all of like the reviews it had a lot of hype and everything a lot of hype everyone was like oh sleeper hit this that and so I watched it and I was like this is weird I don't really like it everyone's ugly (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and then like as soon as they were off to the races after the first 15 minutes, like, and the cars started driving away and you can just hear the humming from like far away and the firecrackers come up and like the, the color paints the sky. It was just like, okay, like I get it. Like this is awesome. One of my favorite shots. The whole film is just like, yeah, the cinematography is great. Um, uh, everything was like practical too. Crazy. They were actually out in the desert yeah, shooting this. Um, and, and the whole thing was just like one long chase sequence. Mm-hmm. Like... It was just a beeline, um, so it was it was an awesome experience. And uh, yeah, Mad Max number five, number four. I'm gonna have it. I'm gonna have to give it to Sicario. Sicario. Um, saw this guy on a plane. This uh, guy with, uh, <laughs> with soft glass. It's a woman. It's a woman. It's a woman. Yeah, it, it is a woman lead. Yeah, it was a very not the most empowering woman lead. Uh, she was kind of a. Uh, like weak the entire movie and uh, hey, watch what you say. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> like she wasn't. I, I think Joao and I've gone back and forth on this. Like she wasn't written too well, um, which I guess doesn't make the case for being on my top five. Yeah, why is it on cinema- top four? <laughs> I'm just like shitting on the movie now. Um, the cinematography is really great, and the score is also really good. Um, I thought they uh, really humanized a pretty terrible situation. Uh, all of that stuff going on in, in Mexico is pretty horrific, um, especially that uh, like highway sequence was crazy. It was that that was amazingly executed. Like the tension was built perfectly. Yeah, Sicario is um, for the people that haven't seen it. It's a movie about uh, the United States. There's a it's a task force that deals with the Mexican cartel, and the movie's about uh, Emily Blunt's character. She she gets assigned to this uh, this task force, and she has to kind of she has no idea what's happening the whole time, um, and you're just kind of taking on this ride with her, and you find out all the shady stuff that goes on, um, you know, just how things really work. It's one of those movies that make you go, what? What? No, that's not how things work. Yeah, that's how things work. <laughs> but uh, have, have any of you guys seen Sicario? Nope, I have not. No? Okay, so... Moving on. Moving on. Number three. Uh, Before I get to the top three, I want to preface by saying I haven't seen Hateful Eight or The Revenant or Steve Jobs. Even though The Revenant really was just wide release at the beginning of 2016. Dude, it had to make that Oscar. Maybe maybe I'll make the 2016 list. (laughs) Yeah. That's another thing. Like, I've watched so many films this year, catching up on 2014 movies, you know? Like, so... um, so many, so many films came out this year, so I couldn't catch them all. Number three, The Big Short, with uh, 
Steve Carell, and everyone else. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this movie had so much character, and, and it didn't take itself too seriously, uh, which is uh, such a like uh, coincidentally like a very serious thing that really happened to everyone. Um, mixed in with some comedy. Thanks, yeah, mixed in with thanks some to comedy. the director. Absolutely. You wanna you wanna talk about that? Oh yeah, that's uh, so Adam McKay who directed uh, Step Brothers and uh, the other guys and. He did a bunch of stuff. He 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 basically worked on every Will Ferrell movie ever. Um, he direct. This was his first drama, and it actually, I have to agree with you. This is definitely top five for me too. And it's cool because he does a lot of really unique things where he like breaks the fourth wall and talks like the characters will talk directly to you. Where you know there's a, a bunch of like business and economy jargon in it, and they do the best they can trying to make you understand it and i would say that even though it's still a very complex issue overall it definitely helps you understand it at least a little bit more in terms of like what happened and why it happened yeah because it did happen and it affected everyone right and, and people it, are like the movie says people are still unaware of it too yeah yeah and which is crazy it's nuts it's absolutely crazy and i think the movie it's something that it's it's really cool because it's something that affected so many people, but it's not, you know, romantic enough in the sense that movies don't typically get made about this type of stuff. And he took something that would otherwise be boring and made it really cool. Like there's, there's scenes where, you know, a character, something will happen and a character looks at the camera and will be like, yeah, this actually happened. Like he really did that. And it's cool to just, you know, get that from a movie that, Initially going in, I was like, oh, this is going to be a boring, like, uh, like I, it looked like a wannabe uh, Scorsese movie or something. Right. You know? And the cast, too. Like, Steve Carell was oh, so good in it. Cast. You think he made yeah. the movie? Who? Uh, Steve oh, Carell so, made no, the movie. I, honestly, there were so many standout performances in that film. Oh, really? That I think it, Ryan Gosling, Brad Pitt. Know. Yeah. Christian Bale. They all had, like, killer hair pieces, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, let's uh, move on. So, number two. Uh, two, two, two. Two, two, two. Gonna go with uh, Ex Machina. Oh. Wow! <laughs> uh, okay, a little bit of backstory. Yo, explain this. this. <laughs> You're not getting away with this. Okay, so, <laughs> Juwan... Up to literally two <laughs> seconds ago, had his number one at number two, and his number two at number one, and he, he kept, just switched on us. And he just switched them on us. And this is a bigger deal than than it may seem because, well, you, you'll you'll understand why in a little bit. So go ahead. <laughs> so X Machina. Uh, this was <laughs> this film was. Uh, speaking of tension, like the tension built in Sicario is like times twenty in this film, and. It was all, it all took place in this confined space of, uh, the place they shot was actually this, like, real house somewhere in, like, you know, an amazing, I don't know. Wh wh Europe you know or something? Somewhere in Europe, yeah. Yeah, it was, like, Switzerland or something. It was beautiful, yeah. Um, so, and, uh, and no, that movie just made me feel so uneasy. Um, a little bit of backstory, I went into it knowing nothing. I hadn't seen a single trailer. And I definitely think that added to the viewing experience because I didn't know what to expect and I just felt this like queasiness throughout like the entire film and I didn't know why. 
And also, like for those who don't know, it kind of plays off the idea of artificial intelligence. And yeah. This robot that this guy is developing, and this guy, this other guy comes and visits, and is basically interacting with it and testing it out and yeah. blurring the lines between reality and. Yeah, watched too much. Absolutely, and Oscar Isaac was amazing in it.、Um, he was just like the smartest, like shadiest, bald-headed son of a bitch like ever, <laughs> with remarkable dance moves.、Um, that was a great sequence. But no, it's one of those films where it's just a magic trick. Where like at the end of the film,、uh, you find out that you've been watching a film、uh, that was really just a prop for like what was really the underlying theme or motive of like every character involved. So.、Um, Truly great. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of,、uh, like thematically, it reminded me a lot of her from 2013,、mm-hmm. where it it's playing on the whole notion. I think notion. it was better actually. What's that? Not saying like you picked, but I think it was better than her. Yeah. Yeah.、Ooh. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's another conversation. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> I I loved her,、yeah. and I loved Ex Machina, and I think they were just. They were similar in the sense that they were trying to explore like, what is it about love that connects people? Like, what what do you really fall in love with? You know, with her, this this character fell in love with, you know, a, an, an iOS software like a phone, like Siri. He、mm-hmm. fell in love with his phone.、Um, and in this movie, I mean, it's not even a spoiler. This this guy. Develops feelings for a robot, and it's like, why? What is it about the human psyche and the human, you know, emotion that? What do we really fall in love with? Because clearly not people in the sense. It's almost like the the soul of a person, the idea of a person, and like what and the idea of love. Exactly. Yeah. So, and even and, it, and it's cool because it explores like. Clearly, there is some sort of physical disconnect, right? Like you can't have a physical relationship with a robot or a phone. So, what is it about? You know, wait, you can't. I mean, maybe no, you can. But. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. I, I really like how they explored that. They explored it in a totally different way, in like an almost like a you know a psychological like thriller way,、mm. but. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, now the new number one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they don't know. This has always been number one. I'm no flip flopper. <laughs> um, so my number one film is、uh, Star Wars. Big surprise. Boom. <laughs> 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 It's um. Yeah, thought. I've I've had to like try to justify why it wasn't my favorite film of 2015. And I'm gonna stop doing that because it literally started at number five on my list, and then it slowly、wow. kept climbing up and climbing up. Number one. Yeah, I've seen this film three times in theaters.、Um, I've heavily contributed to it being the number three <laughs> worldwide. <laughs>、uh, I've done my part, JJ. But I had to kind of. I look. It's not the best film that came out this year. I'm not. I, I, like I understand filmmaking, and I know it's you know. Technically, not the best film. It's not the deepest film, but it was the best time I had in a movie theater. And、um, for a year that I've seen twenty plus films, I haven't rewatched any of them three times. And this film struck a very interesting chord with me 
because I didn't grow up with the original Star Wars films. I didn't grow up when Star Wars was this like phenomenon. I grew up when it were like the three shitty prequels and everybody was like hating on it. And I don't think any of us really grew up with it. Yeah. Kev hasn't even seen any I, of the movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what is Star Wars? That's why I'm really excited for you to see this one because I want to get your perspective mm. on it on the our next show. Yeah, Kevin actually thought it was Star Wars like literally up until like two minutes ago. <laughs> like, why do you guys want to watch a movie about people staring at each other for two hours? And uh, yeah, he thought like that was the force. Um, but this film scratched an itch of this like nostalgia that I never had. And I think that speaks to the character of the film. And, uh, I, I mean, just the characters are so relatable. John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, their first like major film. Daisy Ridley's first movie that she's ever been in. Crazy. She killed it. Yeah. Uh, and Oscar they were, Isaac. They were both so important to have as lead roles, too, because you yeah. know, they're, it's a woman and a black male as like lead characters in this big franchise film. And it's so important beyond just our collective awareness of it because we're very conscious of it but it's also little kids watching who see these characters and can put themselves in their shoes and look up to them as heroes yeah and that's and that's like you just said none of us really grew up with star wars um there are kids who this is the first ever exposure they're having to this franchise and how important is it to have that type of representation like and and not even in a a really like cliche like oh it's a woman and we're gonna like make sure you know that it's a woman and yeah it was super organic and yeah natural. yeah and i think it was definitely done the right way yeah no i um adam driver was amazing and i'm not gonna spoil anything but he uh he's slowly becoming one of my favorite actors in hollywood and ever i mean he's been killing it on girls ever for, like, damn or, no, no, not like ever, but like like in all mediums because he's on TV and gotcha. and he had a backtrack there real quick. <laughs> um, but no, Oscar Isaac, Adam Driver, all, everyone. I mean, if if anything, there were stakes to the whole film for this like this magical world where like people fight each other with like lightsabers. Um, I felt the weight because I I didn't want John Boyega to die. I didn't want Daisy Ridley to die. I didn't want anybody to like suffer any major injury because I really cared about these people in this like made up galaxy far far and away and I think that that speaks to the film but also one flaw I thought was the new Darth Vader quote unquote was I just didn't like him at all like oh I loved him I thought he was horrible and (laughs) and also like his name I can't even remember his name like no no not the actor like the the character and I don't know it was just not as memorable and I like um yeah I'm not gonna gonna spoil anything but um we'll, we'll edit that part out we'll, we'll censor it but um but I thought that these were the most dynamic characters in any, in any Star Wars I mean they all go through these um they all have an arc in this film and and everyone goes through goes through an arc a uh, new old character they all do so um I think the characters the score the cinematography alone made me Made Star Wars The Force Awakens my favorite movie of 2015. And we'll be right back after a break.
<laughs> Great joke. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Jack, give us your top five films of 2015. This should be good. All right, so I'm not going to go in like counting down order because mine are... No order, no order. Oh. I mean, it's kind of in order, but it's more... I break them up differently. So I'm going to start off with number one, which for me was Joy, which was like by far and away my favorite of 2015. Oh, wow. Like, I just really liked it a lot. It was, to me, it's like Jennifer Lawrence. It's her perfect role. Like, she was so good in it. it she was made to do that role. The cinematography was so beautiful. Really nice colors and tones and depth of field. And it was just really good. The pacing was nice. The narrative was good. I just left the theater feeling really good about it. And it stuck with me, too. And then... I would say number two is Paper Towns, even though Paper Towns. it was like a little, the story was like a little cliche, it's like a coming of age movie, but I thought something about it stuck with me like emotionally, and I'm also like a sucker for Cara Delevingne, <laughs> wow. so that's what, <laughs> no but it was funny because she was good in it, but I thought the other girl... The other like lead girl who in the movie is called Lacey and her the actress is Halston Sage, I believe. And she was actually, I thought, better in the movie than Kara was. And I just thought it I don't know, something about it was struck some struck some chord with me. And number three, I'd probably have to go with Kingsman. And yeah. Oh, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Twenty fourteen. No, release. Sure? It was a initial it's... premiere in December or November of 2014. Oh, but, you did your research. Yeah, <laughs> but an actual wide release in the UK too okay. in 2015. Okay, see that? Because I was be on my list. I was too. gonna put That's it on my list, list, and I did the research, and I was like, I'll just leave it out, and like, yeah, I'll go. So it's like a revenue. I didn't know he was. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. So, great movie. I went into this not seeing a trailer. Kev recommended to me. I did. And and I was like, all right, whatever. Like this week, I was just like catching up on some movies, and I was like, oh, I'll watch this. And it was actually like surprisingly good. It was like one of the best non-franchise spy movies that I've seen in a long time. And it also has a nice mix of like British humor and British slang and all that within it too. And I just thought the story kept me interested the whole time. It was really good. Um, How do you feel about um, Samuel Jackson? And that was... <laughs> so, <laughs> for, for anyone who hasn't seen it, Samuel Jackson is like the evil villain, and he talks with a lisp the whole time. Mike Tyson. <laughs> and, I don't know, at first it was kind of, I was like, I don't know about this. By the end, it, you know, it made it a unique character, which I thought was good. And yeah, it was like a fun movie to watch. It kept my attention. It was gave you a good feeling, and I think it should be interesting to see how it progresses. Like if it becomes a franchise as well. Hopefully, it does. Hopefully, you get you guys saw it. You saw yeah. It? What's um? What's the main character's name? The the kid, the young guy. Um, Gary Exy. His nickname is Exy, but his name is Taron Egerton. 
Yeah. Taron Egerton. That's the actor's name? Egerton. Egerton. Oh, he's great. He killed it. Yeah, he was so good. He killed it. Um, and it was like unconventional too, because he was not your run-of-the-mill kid who becomes a spy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I'm gonna plug kind of like I'm gonna stunt a little bit, just a little bit. When I'm talking just about a this, bit. just a little bit, a little baby stunt. Um, I watched this movie. I watched Kingsman on a plane on the way back from Paris. And I had just like Flex. first class, <laughs> not first class. I, I told you I'm gonna stunt just a little, little tiny bit. I had just uh, like played a show. I had just like met Michael Jordan. Yeah, jump in, jump in, jump in, and boys up to something. This is all. Oh, yeah, oh, this is, I'm God. just giving you context. <laughs> uh, so you're feeling on top of the world. I was feeling. I was like on top of the world. Absolutely. I was. I was on, on cloud nine. And I was on Literally. the way back. <laughs> and uh, I'm on this plane. They have all these movies that you can pick from. And at that point, I was like, I was feeling myself so heavy that I was just like, you know what? I'm going to watch a movie I know nothing about. I'm going to give it a chance. And I watched it. And honestly, it made me forget about like everything, that, everything that had just happened for like the two yeah. hours that I was watching it. That's how captivating it was. It was wow. like one of those movies that... Like the second you buy in, you know, because it's so over the top on purpose. But the second you buy in, you're just like hooked, and it, you don't want to stop watching it because it's so much fun, you know. And the fight choreography and all that stuff is so like really cool. It's it's so well done, really cool, so really snappy, quick. Yeah, yeah. and it, it makes was you like feel like you're on drugs or something. <laughs> I think it was like two hours, but it felt like really short, like in a good way. Like it felt like it just went by fast leaving you wanting more mm-hmm. and the girl the younger girl i think was good in it too yeah now that guy uh what's his egerton mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. yeah he's gonna he's gonna blow up he was in the running for uh he should like the new spider-man wow. for the oh, really? universe and then he auditioned for to be fair like everyone in the world did they literally had thousands and thousands of people like ranging from like miles teller to who's the uh, the younger hemsworth yeah. Liam? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that dude. <laughs> um, like, everyone auditioned for it, so take it with a grain of salt, but, like, he auditioned for, like, Han Solo in the new Han Solo movie coming out. For So I hope he gets, like, a major, um, like, a major role in, like, some, some like, wide appeal, because, like, he deserves it, man. That guy's awesome. So. Yeah, what was your, uh, what was your number five? That was four? That was three. Three. Okay, what was your four? So four and five are, it's, it's, I don't know, it's not like a clear winner, I'd say. It was, when I was like narrowing down, and it's still kind of in between, for like Spectre, the new James Bond movie, Star Wars, and The Hateful Eight. And I don't know if I'd, I'd probably put James Bond six like just edging out Ooh. I mean not edging out but like out of the top five getting edged out yeah getting edged out <laughs> you didn't make much better because it wasn't like I really like James Bond movies and it wasn't it was really fun to watch but it wasn't as good as like Skyfall the last one before it which was really good and then yeah Star Wars which we've talked about I wasn't super eager to see but I was really that'd be your number five Mm, four. Oh. 
Oh, he's pushing it down too. He's pushing right, it down. I don't want to be like the Star Wars guy now. Like, I, I liked it. I enjoyed the movie. You don't it need to apologize. Like my life. By the end of the conversation, Jack's like, you know what? Fuck it. Number one. Number Star one. Wars. Number one. Star Wars is the best movie I've ever seen in my life. Jack, give it two more viewings. Right? It was once number four on my list too. All right, Star Wars 5, Hateful... I mean, whoa. Yeah. See, Star Wars... pushing it up. <laughs> you're pushing it up. Every time we talk, it's going up slowly. It slowly creeps up. <laughs> Star Wars 4, Hateful Eight 5, partially because of the experience also, and James Bond 6, and other notables were The Big Short, which we talked about, Straight Outta Compton, which I thought was pretty well done. Yeah, I heard that was good. And yeah. Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl was pretty good also. Well, we'll see where Star Wars lands next week on that list. Uh, see if it Okay. <laughs> but um, can I give a shout-out to an honorable mention? Uh, Fantastic Four for the best comedy of 2015. <laughs> 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 it was so bad. <laughs> All right. I guess I'm glad I haven't seen that. Yes. You, got, you didn't see Fantastic Four? No, I haven't Four? seen that. Don't ever. Oh, do you want to say yours Ever. before we go to a song? Uh, let's go to a song. Uh, actually, let's do a song. Let's, let's do a song. song. let's do a song. All right, we'll be right back.
we're back on group chat on Dash Radio. Soft Last, what about you? Yes. Um, what was your top five movies? Let me know what you got. <clears throat> All right, Kev, I will. I'll let you know Gosh. what I got, man. Bring an idiot. I just can't wait to hear this. <laughs> Uh, I'm not even going to talk uh, in depth about them. We've we've talked about uh, all of them, but I do want to talk about one of them. Um, what is that? So first, let me give you my top four. Actually, I don't want to give five Ooh. because I are haven't... these like from five to two? from five to two? No, it's just four. Oh, okay. because uh, I haven't seen. I'm counting the. Re- if you counted Kingsman, I'm counting Revenant as 2015. Ooh, I would, that's fine. So and I, I haven't seen it, but it's on my top five too. Then I, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it either, and that's I. I know it's going to be top five because everyone that I respect that reviews movies has said that it's great. Um, Wait, let me. I'd agree with that. So my yeah. friend Dylan in LA, he said. He saw it. And let me read this text real quick that he sent. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Dude, how, Next how long ago did he send this <laughs> It was text? like the other day. <laughs> Two months ago. Alright, so he said that he had just saw The Revenant a few nights ago and he still hasn't pulled himself together to really comprehend what he watched. He felt like he was in the theater for a month, but in a good oh way. He said, what? there are things in this film you never thought could be possible even in real life. I'm still trying to process it. Did he write it in third person or you just read the text? I just read it in third oh, person. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he wrote a poem. Like, <laughs> I, I believe it. I, I, I mean, this is... The Revenant is... Everything I've heard about it has been incredible. I mean, it's directed by my favorite director right now. Birdman was my favorite movie of last year. Like, I have no reason to believe that this isn't going to be my top five. So I'm going to just... Where are my top five? I don't know. You know, I'm going to... But it's in there. Um, so these are your other four. So these are my other four. Number four uh, was Big Short. I really like that movie. Snap, snap. Uh, number three was Star Wars. And, uh, Juwan, do you, do you want to, do you, do you want to defend? <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, I loved, I loved Star Wars. I thought it was so much fun. And, um, I mean, I saw it twice. And I think if I would have seen it again, I would have still enjoyed it as much. Uh, number two was Joy. Yes. Uh-huh. And number one was Ex Machina. And the reason why, because I, I'm, 100% aware of its flaws, but again, I am two things, cinematography and music. Like to me, if you if it's 10 out of 10 cinematography and 10 out of 10 music, I'm going to love the movie. Also, quick note on cinematography. It follows had really beautiful cinematography. Oh yeah. But the plot was horrible to me. Like I couldn't even finish it. I really tried. I watched like half an hour yeah, and I was like, I couldn't do it, but it was really beautifully shot. It follows which one is that one? That's uh, it was like a horror movie. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard. And usually I'm not like big on horror anyway. Yeah, but I still gave it a shot, and it was worth it to see how nice it was. But it just yeah. wasn't good enough. 
That's too bad. But yeah, I mean, Ex Machina looked so gorgeous to me and how they framed certain scenes. I mean, there's this really cool YouTube uh, video essay about like one specific scene. And basically, without giving it any spoilers away, there's a scene where the main character is talking to the AI, the, the girl robot. And um, there are certain things that the girl, the robot says that you later find out aren't true, right? Um, at the time, you don't know it. And at the time, the main character doesn't know it. But what they do with the cinematography is they, the whole house is glass, right? And so whenever she tells a lie, they frame it in a way that you can see her reflection. So it, they show how she's two-faced. Like every time she tells a lie, the scene has her reflection in it. And whenever she's honest, it's a straight shot. That's crazy. So they do things like that all throughout the movie that I just geek out about. And the way they frame, they have like these window uh, panes, like like this multi-panel window. And the way they frame the characters within the panes of the window. And the, they have this uh, Pollock that takes up the whole frame, this Pollock painting. And one of the characters stands in front of it. And it just, it looks like he's like in the painting. It's crazy. It's a beautiful, beautiful movie, and the the score actually was done by Jeff Barrow, who is a member of Portishead. Wow! Yeah, so again, score, cinematography, like those two things, just took it over the top. I want to talk about Joy real quick. Yes, we're the only ones who saw it. Yeah, <laughs> and and it made both our lists. Yeah, and the first time I saw it, it was number five. Interesting. So you watched it twice. I didn't watch it twice. I just watched it once. But the more it, it sunk in wow, and the more I thought crazy. about it, the more it climbed. Um, it, there's still so many things that I wish they would have done that like worked so well, especially in the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie. Like, like the score was really good for for Joy, except for like one or two moments that I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like. They had this Alabama Shake song in one scene where I was just like, why? It takes me out of this. Like, this is a 2015 yeah. album song that they just, like, put in the movie. And right. it took me out of, like, the time period and took me out of the experience. But there were these, like, surrealist moments throughout the movie. Like, the dream sequences and, like, the the uh, soap opera that they would watch. This, that, it was so good how they connected so that. Good. Like, the transitions between reality and the soap operas were incredible yeah and like even the first i think the first friend in the movie is in the soap opera yeah and i was like wow this is like right from the jump it's something so different yeah and what you said about like depth of field and how they used that to um like the combination of the depth of field with the colors of the the house that right. they're in for most of like the first half of the movie mm-hmm it just created this like dreamlike state yeah and the way the camera moves and the like the character blocking like how characters would walk in and out of it was just like yeah it was it was really really gorgeous even think, like the color of her hair was like so yeah. rich and vibrant yeah yeah i think and then all the performances were like every everything felt so like aloof kind of it felt like very surreal and that's why the movie's not number one for me is because there were moments where that didn't happen like where it just seemed grounded and realistic and those moments didn't really work for me like I was just like it became kind of just like a normal movie right when those moments happened 
like the whole ending I was just like yeah no I get what you're saying you know it was just like they they had this this whole feel about the whole movie and then towards the end it seemed like they they tried to like ground it in reality a little right. more and it just that's I think that left like a bad taste in my mouth but the more I thought about it the more I real like I realized like no it was actually really good yeah I think also you know they were trying to balance it with the true story because it's not like entirely based on what happened right. but it's somewhat based on it right. so I think they wanted to keep certain elements to keep the story somewhat real to what actually happened and I think that's a result of why some things may seem off right like david o russell directed it and he wasn't even the one who originally wrote the screenplay yeah. he kind of took over things after they felt like it needed something else but i think he did a really good job yeah and we were talking before with tarantino how he has this turn with inflorious bastards and django and now the hateful eight and david o russell is kind of the same like with Silver Linings Playbook, mm -hmm. American Hustle, and now this, it's like a completely new era for him. Yeah. And it's really interesting. He's really good. This is my favorite from him so far. Yeah, I love this one. And I loved American Hustle. I felt like American Hustle was uh, like really cohesive throughout the whole movie and as far as like aesthetic. And I felt like that was the only thing that hurt joy for me. Because... I don't know why, like, they didn't just keep... I would have been down for the whole movie being surrealist. Yeah. And for the viewer to, like, make the link and be like, oh, this represents this, or, right. like, this symbolizes this. And I feel like towards the end, it starts kind of holding your hand a little bit and yeah. showing you, like, more detail and more, like, this is what happened, and I didn't... No, I get what you're saying. You know, I didn't care. Yeah. Like, I didn't care about what happened. Right. I cared about the experience I was having. Um... But yeah, that's it. That's my list. Yeah. Tell also, us. one last note. I think it, it was a strong role in terms of like how we talked about with the characters of Star Wars. I think it was important for Jennifer Lawrence in this role to be like oh, yeah. this hero for little girls and for them to look up to her through this. Yeah, regardless of how I feel about Jennifer Lawrence, the actual character that she played and how she was written was like incredible. Like yeah. the strength and like how... And okay... Real quick, it kind of... I thought it did something really interesting with... Like, you're talking about the female role. A lot of movies or TV shows or different mediums will try to... Almost, like, make the female role, like, a strong masculine figure to kind of change the trope, you know? And they're kind of, like, flip it on its head. But what this movie did was it, act, it accentuated the motherliness and, like, the strength that she has to, like keep her family together yeah in in a really like mature way you know Definitely. and it was like yeah she's she's like it was they were they were clearly like constantly hitting you over the head like oh her grandmother wanted her to be you know a mom right. that's that was like what she thought her calling in life was and she's like yeah i want more but i'm not rejecting that either i'm not right. rejecting the motherly figurehead i'm not yeah. rejecting and, and even beyond for girls and women it's it's also about balancing reality in your dreams which yeah. is something we all can identify with yeah. a little a little to the side have you guys seen winter's bone no with jennifer lawrence it was like her first, her first that's when she blew up yeah she was it's the same thing she was really young and she basically 
it's basically like her growing up in like this terrible household. Mm. I think her parents are like crackheads, and she has like little siblings that mm. she pretty much just takes care of, and it's just a bunch of stuff. And I think that was probably her best role. Yeah. But it sounds somewhat similar to it's this funny role. in this. It's kind of flipped because she's taking care of her parents more so, right? And her ex-husband, right? By the way. The relationship between her and her ex-husband is Amazing. like the best portrayal of a divorced couple I've ever seen. Yeah, on it, was brilliant. it was amazing. Um, that's it for Movie Talk. So we'll be back after another song and be discussing top albums. Ooh. Yes, Like a minute, Lucy work harder. Lucy gon' call you even when Lucy know you love your father. I'm Lucy. I loosely heard prayers on your first album, truly. Lucy don't mind, cause at the end of the day, you'll pursue me. Lucy go get it. Lucy not timid. Lucy up front. Lucy got paperwork on top of paperwork. I want you to know that Lucy got you all your life. I watched you, and now you all grown up to sign this contract if that's possible. Get you, get you, get you, get you. And we're back on group chat, and we're about to discuss top 
five albums of 2015. Soft last going first. Yep, the music guy. Oh, the music guy, huh? <laughs> Got the Star Wars guy, the, the Star music Wars guy. Star Wars guy. <laughs> <laughs> Not the music guy. <laughs> just own it, just own it, man. Um, all right, top five. I have at number five, Alabama Shakes, Sound and Color. Okay. Actually, let me let me preface this real quick. I don't, being the music guy, <laughs> means that the I'm... The music guy. <laughs> I tend to work on music a lot more than I listen to music. Uh, I actually don't listen to a lot of albums yearly. I listen to a lot of stuff that came out like a long time ago or, you know, I revisit a lot of stuff. So my list is going to be less uh, thinking about the best albums and more so the albums that I listen to the most. So these are albums that I kept coming back to. I mean, I think with all this, it's like our personal favorites, not, right. you know, the best right and i think a lot i mean you know what there's gonna be a couple on here that i like other albums better but for whatever reason i kept coming back to these and i kept getting something out of them let's see so number five alabama shakes sound and color um i had never heard of them before this year and this was the first time i ever listened to them and i thought first thing i thought was like holy shit her voice is incredible um britney What's her name? The, Wolf yeah, Wolf, Wolf Factor. Howard. Brittany what? Howard. Brittany Howard, right. Brittany Howard's voice is insane. Like, the power, the emotion, like, the grit in her voice, but still has so much control over it. It's insane. Um, and I think that the band does a really good job of staying true to the genre, which is that blues, kind of, uh, you know, southern rock vibe, but still infusing it with enough Almost like folky too. Right, yeah. Sense. They have like folky. And then her songwriting is very folky as well. Um, it's really self-aware about who she is. And, you know, she, I think she she really delivers. And honestly, the album, I just kept going back to it because I kept finding these new layers to it. Um, whether it be how they mixed it, which was really unique. Um to the performances like they're all insane musicians like and you wouldn't know it because the, the genre of music doesn't call for like a bunch of soloing or anything but they're all super super solid music uh, musicians so that's number five uh number four is tori moi's what four uh sweet yeah that no pun intended <laughs> what four <laughs> it's the only reason it's number four i live for the pun um i i think Toro Imoa consistently makes soundtracks to specific moments in my life. For whatever reason, whenever uh, they put out an album and he, he and he continues to grow with every album. Every album is totally different. Anything in return is like at least top 20, maybe top 15, top 10 albums for me. Yeah, of all time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it just he has a way of connecting to like specific moments in your life and kind of almost acting as like a soundtrack to that year, you know? Yeah. And I felt like this album, I, even though I feel like it was pretty slept on, like it wasn't, like it didn't come out to a crazy, you know, response, but I, and it took me forever. It was actually, Jawan told me to listen to it and I listened to it like three months after it came out. But I just feel like he's, he keeps growing and he keeps making these, seemingly simple songs but that have all of these layers to them he's not afraid to like 
really switch it up a lot all yeah. the time. Yeah, no, he's he's fearless. At this point, he can do whatever he wants, and it'll still be good. Yep. You know, whatever genre, whether it's this or put out a mixtape with like a bunch of like beats on it. Yeah. And that was still great. So that was my number four. Uh, number three was Tame Impala, Currents. Mm-hmm. And this guy, like, this guy amazes. Can we get a fact check on the... Kevin Parker? Kevin Parker, yeah. Kevin Parker continues to amaze me with, like, how much control he has over his expression. Also, for those who don't know, and I didn't know prior to this year, but Kevin Parker records everything for the band himself. Yeah. And then the rest of the band just plays it with him when they tour and stuff, which I was, like, blown away by. Yeah, he plays all the instruments, he writes all the music, he records and engineers everything himself. Um, Everything from how he mics his drums it's very specific to him and it comes across because you hear a Tame Impala song and even though he's constantly drawing from like these other eras and these other genres of music you know it's a Tame Impala song Um, and with this album it's even more so than with his earlier stuff because his earlier stuff you could he wore his inspiration like on his sleeve you could totally tell like where he was drawing from but with this album it's like He's just, I mean, uh, Jack, you showed me kind of like this promo clip he did, and it seems like he just kind of housed himself in a house on the beach and recorded the whole thing in yeah. his house. If anyone has Apple Music, you can search up Tame Impala, and there's like a making of Currents video. It's like a little over a minute, and it's really sick, like really well shot too, and it, it was it's just amazing. The album too, like I was, I was very much aware of. Tame Impala as a band prior to this year, but I never got into them. I tried to listen, and I wasn't really into it. And Currents, like, it's funny. The first time I heard it, it didn't really Same. do anything Same. at all. 100% agree with that. <laughs> and yeah. I listened to it literally, like, months later. I was like, oh, my God, this is insane. Yeah. If you put it under rock, it's probably my favorite rock album ever. Yeah. Yeah, but it's less rock than anything he's ever yeah, done. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, that's that's number three for me. And it would have been higher if not for the obsessive amount of times I've listened to the top two. I have and, a similar circumstance, which I'll discuss with my list. Yeah, and I have an idea of where your list is going. But I, my list, I mean, my number one is going to be obvious, but my number two was actually Hiatus Coyote's Choose Your Weapon. And the reason why is because, well, first of all, I'm like a, I'm a huge uh, jazz fan. Uh, like, Jawan and I grew up with jazz in our lives and in our house, and that's like what, that's what we, that's the music, that's the first music we ever heard in our lives. And Hiatus Coyote does something which is they take all of these jazz uh, techniques and you know, structure and forms and chord progressions and all this stuff. And then they play it with this, like, Dilla confidence mixed with, like, interesting, like, production choices. And it's just... I'm, I'm going to be honest. The, the vocals on the album are sometimes hit or miss for me, but I'm the first to tell you that I'm, like... If the instrumentals are dope, like, I, I'm sold. I'm with you. Yeah. So, like, 
I just I love this album so much, and it's long. It's like eighteen songs or something. It's like super super long. Damn. But I've listened to the whole thing like front to back like countless times, and every time I'm just like, oh my god, this. I can't wait for this drum part to come up. Oh, that drum. Oh, my God. Oh, this bass line coming up here. and Oh, that lick is crazy. And oh. So, like, I nerd out. I consistently nerd out. Um, which leads to number one, which is To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Like, without a doubt. I remember the first time I ever heard To Pimp a Butterfly, I was in Austin for South by Southwest. And I got food poisoning, Gosh. and that night, like I had just done a show, and I and I got food poisoning, and I came home like feeling like shit. But on the way home, like while I was waiting for a cab, somebody was like, "Yo, Kendrick just dropped his album!" Like people on, like, were like Twitter? on the no on the street, oh, like because wow. oh, it's wow. South by Southwest, so oh. like everyone's on the street. Makes sense. And somebody like running by was like, "Yo, Kendrick dropped the fucking album!" Oh my god! <laughs> they have like a flamethrower. They're just like. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like it was crazy, and people were like, "What?" And so immediately, I got home, downloaded it. Got wait, got home to your place in Texas, or to the place in Texas where we were staying. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was feeling terrible. I was like, you know, throwing up and all that. And thanks. Yeah, we needed that. (laughs) I'm gonna make sure to add sound effects just to like make it real pleasant for everybody listening. (laughs) But um, yeah, I was I was feeling terrible, and then I pressed play. The first like sample comes on, and then right when I heard the hit me, like and slug that, medicine. Oh my god, bro! I was <laughs> I like my ears perked up. I was just like, oh my god, oh my god, this this is crazy. Like, oh my god, like. And here's the thing, Kendrick has always hinted at this, like mm. always from his first uh, mixtape. He would always have these little moments of like jazz and you know all like. The funk and and uh, I think um, Good Kid, Mad City, like the beginning of Art of Peer Pressure, sounds like it would have been on Pimp a Butterfly. And when I heard that, I was like, "Oh my god, this is gonna be dope!" And then it turned into what it was, and I was like, "Okay, cool, this is cool." But I really wish you would just go for it. And first track of Pimp a Butterfly goes for it, and I'm like ecstatic. Second track of Pimp a Butterfly even more so goes for it which is uh for sale right and i'm just like yo this dude is literally spitting over a jazz song like it's just straight up a jazz song the jazz stuff in the album is amazing yeah and i mean that's you know everybody involved made it what it is but i i just remember like laying on that couch thinking every track i was like okay can you keep this up like there's no way that the whole album's like this and then I finished the album and like the whole spoiler alert <laughs> Tupac <laughs> isn't it uh, the whole uh, Tupac quote um, unquote oh sorry the second track is for free for, not for free. sale so uh, the whole the whole album just blew me away and I remember finishing it and being like this is important this is really important and there's and I have yet to digest even like a millimeter of it but I understand the weight and the importance that this album has um and to this day, nine months later, whatever it is, I still listen to this album weekly, like front to back weekly. And I still find new things like it's crazy from like uh, the saxophone line in the background that I had never noticed before. And I'm just and it blows my mind or Kendrick saying something 
that seems simple, but you think about it and you're just like, oh shit. Like that still happens 10 months later. And I feel like it's gonna keep happening. And it's good. I mean, the term instant classic is used all the time, but like I can't see this not being up there with like top hip hop albums of all time. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah. Can't argue with that. That's uh, my top five albums cool. of the year. Yeah. Let's go to a song and we'll be right back here on Dash Radio. <laughs> talking about our favorite albums of 2015 just got through uh soft glass albums week uh jack <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's uh let's hear yours man i'm excited all right i mean this this year was really hard because i'd say the top four albums for me beat anything from last year Ooh. Oh, wow. so it was hard to pick in a sense but it was also kind of easy in in some of them. So number one for me is Cherry Bomb by Tyler, Woo. which is my favorite oh, album wow. of all time. Like it's whoa, <laughs> that escalated. <laughs> Not even 2015, all time. Like you, even more than like. One's like turning the mic. You're like <laughs> to me, like yeah, you got something to say about this, bro? <laughs> no, I'm in respect. Like it's my. Even more than album, like, it's my favorite thing, like, ever. Like, more than my favorite movie, more than anything. It just, it's like an album I feel like I was waiting my whole life to hear. It just, like, it touches the right chords for me. Like, just everything is perfect. And the first time I heard it, like, I wasn't sold on all the songs. But after I heard it more, like... There's not a song on there that I don't like at this point. And it's just really, really amazing. Just puts me in a different place. And kind of like how 
soft class was talking about Kendrick kind of taking steps to get to to pimp a butterfly Tyler was the same thing like this is the music he's been trying to make his whole life I agree with that 100%. and he's yeah. he was like you saw where like you saw the initial parts leading up to it and then this album he just really demolished it so I could go on forever but that's my number one Oof. number two and three I was like debating switching back and forth a lot but I'll put Currents at number two it is really amazing and I can I never get tired of listening to it and I mean we pretty much discussed it the only thing I would add also is that Kevin Parker's songwriting is really amazing so simple but effective number three is Kaliuchi's Por Vida it's like it's another one of those albums I've been like waiting to hear and it blends a lot of like interesting like old type sound with a new feel and it's an older sound that I really like and she mixes a lot of genres as well and puts her own unique twist on it and I really like her stuff a lot and so that's my number three number four is To Pimp a Butterfly really great album that we also pretty much discussed in depth and I would say it also like when I first heard it it reminds me of like Mo Better Blues the Spike Lee movie a lot in a good way and number five was probably the hardest to pick because the four were like I knew right away those were like top four number five I'd have to like do a toss-up between Memorial Day by No Wi-Fi which is Brockhampton, it was Kevin, Romeo, Bareface, and Albert. They did it like in a weekend when they had no power. And it's like a rock project. It's super different from anything they put out, but it's so good. And the other one it's tied with is Sunsets by this kid named Roy from LA. Both are short projects, but they're both really good and left like a certain mark with me. So. Those are my top ones. And also, I'll do like a quick like honorable mentions thing because there was also like a lot of really great movie movies, albums. <laughs> They're like movies just with sound. Yeah. Um, the Glow album deep. by Gold Celeste, uh, Circle Triangle by London O'Connor, Caracal by Disclosure, A New Place to Drown by Archie Marshall, a.k.a. King Cruel, Stay Up by Abhi Dijon and A Silver Lining by Tony Bennett and Jerome Can. Awesome. I like your list, Jack. I like your list. Solid. Yeah. Fuck, fuck you, Juan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just totally kidding. I mean, those are two very different great lists. Um, I just have a question for Jack. Um, like, what about the... What about Tyler's album, do you think, like, spoke so much to you and like I guess like what do you look for in an album how did that scratch that itch I don't look for anything in an album it's just what it makes me feel and that album also came at like it came in so last winter we had like one of the most brutal winters and then the album came out in April just as it was getting nice out and I was also about to graduate from college and like the whole theme of the album is like find your wings so it was like a perfect 
motivational kind of soundtrack to like actually do that and it was perfect with the warm weather that had just started happening and like when I in my mind I kind of associated to with riding my bike around New Paltz which is the town where I went to college and yeah it's just I don't know it's perfect to me that's awesome Steve it was all right <laughs> all right um yeah let's do a quick song and uh we'll come back for these two clowns lists boom boom <laughs> chat i just finished my list now it's time for yours john yeah um i'm just gonna get right into it uh number five midnight snack by home shake such a soothing album uh i'm pretty and sure for those who don't know yeah i'm pretty home sure shake is the the guitarist for mac demarco x guitarist yeah um he dropped a pretty cozy album uh it's called midnight snack and uh and it's uh it's it's awesome. It's it's super loopy and like just cloudy and and fun and and it's very raw. I mean, it's very uh, bare bones. It's like a minimalist album, which is like the coolest thing ever. Um, but it's it's it, it, I was very moved by it and and it's something that I still listen to like every night. Um, number four, Currents. Uh, 
Tame Impala, you guys said everything there is to say about this album. It's, it's just so good. Um, let me see. I, uh, yeah, it, it opens with like that grand seven minute track that like just sucked me in, and it's got the different phases of it, and then, and then we've got that interlude. I'm blanking on the name. What's the Nangs? What Nangs? Yeah, Nangs, and it just is. Oh, it's raining. Just started pouring. It just started pouring. Just <laughs> but uh, but such a great album with with so much character and and I think it it was his most. I I, I think it had. I think it was his most original album, uh, in terms of like this was the pure. What, um, what's the the name of uh, what's his name? The Kevin what? Kevin Parker. Kevin Parker. Yeah, I think this was his like the album he's always wanted to make, and it, and it sounded like it. Um, I still listen to that that album every day. I love it's it. funny how much we're talking about all these artists making the album they finally wanted to make. <laughs> 2015 was a year for everyone to like. <laughs> Step up and step finally up get and, there. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, number three, uh, choose your weapon. Hades Coyote. Uh, the production's incredible. Uh, they take so many chances, and almost all of them pay off. Um, I agree with Southwest that the vocals are a bit. Um, they're not the best at times, but it never really affected me to the point where, where I I, I always thought of it as like, I thought it just added to the aesthetic. More so than like, oh, this isn't great vocal work. Like I, that, that never really crossed my mind, but I could totally see why some people would have that complaint. And it sounded like every track was just this roller coaster, like where they just they would just start with a sound and then just stretch it for like five minutes, and it's just end to end. Like it just seemed like they they all had this competition of like how far can we move. Like, where can we get this song to <laughs> by the end of the song? And they really explored every field of, of like, the song that they were playing. And it was, it was it's amazing how they did it and how it paid off. Um, number two, uh, Sound and Color. Alabama Shakes. Uh, they understand subtlety better than anyone in 2015, in my opinion. I mean, Give Me All Your Love is, like, one of my favorite songs of the year. Um, the vocal work's amazing. She's absolutely brilliant. And the range of emotion from like extreme highs to very simple emotions and like concepts are like, don't want to fight, right? That's just like, the songs have been made like that since the beginning, since the beginning, beginning of time. And they just found a way to, uh, like just the production is just honest and the whole album is just extremely honest. Kev, have you, have you heard it? Have you heard the album? No, I haven't. Check, just go check out uh, "Give Me All Your Love." Like, just go check that song out, and I think that's like a pretty good representation of, yeah. of the who they are. Maybe yeah, we'll play it the at band. the break. Ah, ooh, a sneak peek. Um, and number one, John Williams' work on Star Wars: The Force Awakens. <laughs> the score for that film uh, was incredible. Uh, no, uh, it's a pimp a butterfly. Uh, I almost thought you were serious. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I am not the Star Wars guy. Uh, no, um, Kendrick Lamar's The Pimp of Butterfly. Shout out John Williams, though. Shout out. To, he's been killing it for years. Um, decades. <laughs> literally decades. Um, Kendrick Lamar did everything that I said about the other albums better than anyone else last year. Like, it was the most vulnerable, uh, risk-taking... Um, instrumentally, like 
breathtaking album I heard last year. And that is not an overstatement. That album, like every track, did something new and broke a barrier in modern hip-hop that I feel really strongly about and it really struck a chord. And I hope that it's, um, I hope it's a wake-up call. Like, it, I'm, because of this album, like, I'm really excited to see the influence that it carries on in 2016. We'll discuss in a few our, the ones we're looking forward to the most. Yeah, absolutely. But first, we'll go to a song break and then come back with Kev's List. going to finish up our top five albums of the year. Kev, show us what you got, bro. Hmm. All right. This was kind of hard to pick. I had to pimp a butterfly on my list. Had to take it off. I didn't have to, but I just decided to. I knew one of these guys would put it on. Are you kidding me right now? (laughs) (laughs) We're all just staring at each other. (laughs) That's what he was feeling, dude. All right. Respect, respect, respect. Uh, I'll take jokes. It's okay. Y'all can roast me. Um, start off with number five. Purpose, Justin Bieber. Ooh. Wow. Over to Pimp a Butterfly. No, to Pimp a Butterfly was like number three on my list. But I took it off just because I knew at least one of you guys would have it. But okay. All right. All right, yeah. No, by no means I'm saying to Pimp a Butterfly okay. is, okay. is worse. Can, we need but, to um, clarify. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I really like the project. To me, definitely his best work. I really like how he almost packaged the whole thing. I, when he dropped the album, he dropped like a video for each yeah. song, which was crazy. Like, I don't do music, but if I ever did, I feel like that would be something I would really like to do. Um, they're all super catchy. They're not all necessarily made for like 13 year old girls (laughs) but yeah i just really enjoy it and they're fun like if they come up on the radio i don't really take it off i just listen to them they're pretty good tracks number three i'd probably do currents as well funny thing is i've probably only heard this album like twice throughout but that was good enough for me to like know that it's on my top it had enough of five for you yeah yeah Cause um, like I was saying, Jack put was trying to put me on this for like a while, probably since it came out, and July. I've been putting it off until like a few weeks ago, and I heard it, and I was just like, wow, 
I'm missing out on this. So Currents is like, if you aggregate our list, Currents might be like... Number one. Number yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. But yeah. kind of well-deserved because it's like... Definitely well-deserved. I mean, if I yeah. had to pimp a butterfly, <laughs> it was probably going to be number one. <laughs> but, yeah. Number two, I'll probably say Caraco by Disclosure. I don't know. I, can, I don't know if you guys can even argue with that. Disclosure just always kills it. They're very it's, consistent. Yeah, it's consistent. I think... Um, I wouldn't say it's better than their last album, but it's like they're, in my opinion, like um, about the same quality and how much I like it. Um, yeah, I'll say that uh, about Disclosure, I think they get the best out of their features, like the people that... Yeah. And it feels like a true collaboration, right. not just like they got someone on it. Right. And for my number one, I'm going to go with my boy Jack with Cherry Bomb. I don't have the connection he has with it. I can't even top <laughs> um, his liking for it, but easily the best thing I've heard in 2015. Dude, we had a huge year in movies and music, and like 2015 was huge. 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 We'll be right back. All right, we're back on group chat discussing sports now. And one of the f- biggest things this year, especially for us, because we're all from New York, is the Mets had a super big run in the playoffs, and Kev even went to a game. Yeah, my first playoff game? No, my second, but my first World Series game. I went to, what was it, game three, I think, which, unfortunately, the Mets lost, of course. But um, it was cool. I even made it on TV for, like, Two oh, seconds. A millisecond. That's yeah. Awesome. It, it was, it was um, I was standing where, like, all the commentators and broadcasters stand. Mm-hmm. Like, A-Rod was there and all the people from Fox. And the dude with the camera's like, oh, we're going to put you in, like, 30 seconds. Be ready. And it was just a group of us <laughs> screaming. You could see us and stuff. It was pretty fun, though. Um, so packed. They, like, oversell everything. So exciting. Oh. And you had like standing room seats. Yeah, wow. standing room seats only like probably more people standing than like sitting. And it, it, it was just a great experience. Dude, I remember when I first moved to New York uh, three years ago, it was like the Mets were just a joke. Yeah, terrible. Like, they were the past just like a six laughing. seasons, I think, we're all losing seasons. Yeah, so what happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, so around the trade deadline, Wilmer Flores, one of the Mets players, it was rumored that he was getting traded and somehow. I think it was through social media or something. He got wind of it during the game. Someone in the crowd yelled like, oh, I just seen you got traded. He was in the batting circle, like right next to people. <laughs> yeah, and insane. So then on the field, he started crying. Pouring and out. And oh it, it became this whole thing. And he didn't even actually get traded. Yeah, and like, then he became this whole big hero for the Mets. And it, within that trade deadline, they got Cespedes who became one of their biggest players also. Best and, player of the second half of the season, easily, yeah. And they just got on a roll, and in the playoffs, Daniel Murphy really came through, did an amazing job. And, yeah, they just they made a great run, even after Chase Utley slid into second base and took out the shortstop, Tejada, and broke his, broke his leg. leg. <laughs> oh. And... But they still, they made it to the World Series, and they just couldn't finish it. But 
even despite that. I mean, me and Kev are both Yankees fans, hardcore, but it was still fun to see the Mets as like another New York team go that far. And it wasn't too bad to see the Royals win because they had lost last year to San Francisco. So After being underdogs, like right. full of rookies, a team full of rookies, yeah. and just making it that far. So the Warriors won their first championship in 40 years, and they did it against LeBron. And not only that, but they came back for the start of this season and have been hungrier than ever. Unstoppable. They started out with the best undefeated streak anyone has ever had, and they just look incredible. No one, maybe not no one, but few people expected them to be quite this good this year. Yeah. And it'll be exciting to see what comes next with the Super Bowl as my dad put it the worst call in Super Bowl history happened when the Seahawks didn't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch to run in and instead instead there was an interception so another thing is that American Pharaoh won the first triple crown in 37 years which was pretty impressive not much else to discuss on that but it was a noteworthy moment also, in another not as advertised or discussed sport, NASCAR, Jeff Gordon retired, which was, he's one of the biggest people. I didn't even know this. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy news <laughs> to me right now. But that's, it's about time. He was like racing when I was like seven. Yeah. So <laughs> That's true. It's pretty crazy. And also with retirement, Kobe Bryant announced his retirement oh, after this season. And he did it also with a poem on the Players' Tribune, which was interesting. It was fitting. Have you seen his GQ? Uh, nah. Yeah, just look up, just literally Google Kobe Bryant GQ white. And it's an all-white GQ spread. Oh my god. You just have to, it, the poem will make a lot more sense after you see that. Okay, <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> um, Serena won at Wimbledon, but then lost in the U.S. Open to Vinci. And then Djokovic beat Federer at Wimbledon, which was a match. big upset. It was a crazy match. The Mayweather-Pacquiao fight got a lot of hype, but didn't really live up to it. As every Mayweather fight <laughs> the last five years. Uh, Ronda Brucey got knocked out by Holly Holm. Damn, that's sad. And the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup. And that's it for sports, and we'll be back after the song break with our final remarks.
that's all for our very first episode of Group Chat. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. Thank you to Daniel and all of 1234. Thank you to Dash Radio for hosting us. We'll be back every Wednesday night, 8 to 10 Eastern Time, PM, and 5 to 7 Pacific Time. Is the plugs? Plug time? Plug, plug time? Plug, plug time? Plug, 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 plug. <laughs> All right, Jack, where can we find you on everything? All right, Imagination Detonation on Instagram and ID Plus NYC on Twitter. Uh, I'm Juan Gonzalez, and you can find me at Juan Gonzalez27 on both Twitter and Instagram. I'm Soft Glass. You can find me on at Soft Glass on everything with one S. S-G-L-A-S And this is Kev You can find me at Same old Kev On pretty much everything If you guys want to listen to The episode after we air You can go to Soundcloud.com Slash 1234 group chat And you can email us at 1234 group chat At gmail.com You could send in Topics Stuff for us to listen to Stuff for us to watch Whatever Or any feedback you have for us Throw it at us all right, guys. Yeah. See you next week. Bow, bow, bow. Bow, bow. Bow, bow. Bow, bow.